welcome to Solutions from the Yard, a candid discussion about life behind bars and its effect on society. We'll discuss reintegration or re-entry back into the community post-incarceration. Your host for this episode is Charles Hopkins. Welcome to this edition of Solutions from the Yard. I'm Charles Hopkins, joined with Michael dickerson Hill. How you doing today, Mike? I'm doing fine, Brother Charles. Solutions from the Yard tries to examine and explore all things dealing with the criminal justice system, be it the BOP, the DOC, or any correctional institution, parole, probation. We try to examine all aspects of the criminal justice system and find solutions from the yard. Today's show, we're going to be talking about uh, the C-Social Court Service and Offender Supervision, Supervision Agency. We was at a table event, myself and Nicholson Neal, and a table event is an event where you, uh, your organization sets up a table and hand out resource information to different uh, people that attend the event. And we was at a table event uh, this past week, and the person that was responsible for it was the community activist or the community uh, supervisor for uh, C. Sosa. And she was telling us that C. Sosa is going to have, got this policy coming out saying that if a client, that's a person that's under their jurisdiction on parole or probation, if a client does not have a job, then they're going to put electronic monitor on them. And to my surprise, she was advocating that the, the, the thing that we was dealing with the, that day was every agency that provides services for returning citizens. But to my surprise, and she was responsible for the organizing, but to my surprise, was nobody there that provided jobs. No agency was there that provided jobs. The agency that me and Dickinson Hill represented, we survived wraparound services, and he'll talk about that in a minute. So, Dickinson Hill, uh, what did you think about that when, when she brought that up, about this current policy that they're about to implement? Um, I, I look at it as a uh, kind of like Catch-22 because, um, you know, as you being a probation agency and you were telling your your uh your clients there or you know people that you are uh, over in probation that if you don't have a job we're gonna um you know put the box on you but what are you doing to help them get a job come on you know because everybody just can't walk out of out of uh prison and just get a job you know because a lot of brothers don't have no certification in nothing and it's going to be impossible for you just to walk out of jail and get a job. So, therefore, them implementing a policy like that is putting the sit- person in a situation to fail. Right. And do, do, what do you think is the reason behind it? I got my own view, but tell me what do you think is the reason behind this particular draconian policy that's coming out? Um. I, well, you know, from my point of view, is to stagnate you, you know, because that's what it's going to do. Um, once you, if you come home and you, you, you already having problems with getting a job and then they turn around and put you on home confinement, 
Now that's stagnating you from even coming out to get a job because now you 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 are uh you are basically um locked into the house. You back in prison almost again. So it puts you in a position where as though now that that prison state of mind come back in, you you know you you feel like you're being locked up and it's not it's not producive or to you know to a person that's that's trying to really shake that because a lot of us have been traumatized from being mm. in prison, being locked behind those doors, you know, for 23 and one. And, you know, like you, uh, you were saying one time before, um, you know, being on lockdown and, and, you know, you kind of get claustrophobic. So it's going to be the same result and, and, and it's going to be detrimental to the individuals, uh, his mental stability. And, and it's going to really, it's going to start to decay. And and I recognize that I heard the mayor of Washington, D.C., Mayor Bowser, who's running again for re-election, and she stated that because of the uptick in crime in the in the D.C., in the nation capital, she stated that the reason why they have an uptick in crime is because the men that's committing the crime got out early under the CARES Act. And the CARES Act was when they uh, cut individuals sentences because they for whatever you know they they made progress within the system and so she was claiming that, that was the reason why the uptick in crime and it's, I was talking to some 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 people about that and it's 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 almost as if they dusting off the playbook you know crime then who do you who you blame for crime or how do you give the perception that you got this under control go go lock up people that's been that's, that's got records and who gonna say anything about them when oh they committed a crime before? So it stands a reason that if they put handcuffs on, that that might be what they did now. But talk about your own self. When you got out, was you was you given uh, job opportunities? Was you was uh, given a uh, the training to get a job opportunity, or did you have to take and uh, do this on your own? Was the CSOs or, or whatever agency was you under? Did they go out their way to like? Uh, give you resources and information on how you could get employment, housing, and other things that you needed. Uh, no, I, 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 everything that I, I got, I, cause I reached out and went out on my own. Uh, I was, I wasn't on any form of probation or parole when I came home, but I was on home confinement. Mm-hmm. When I first came home, I was under um, fifty days of home confinement, and. During that time, I was what you would call, um, they would say, uh, high risk or they had me on the highest uh, security level, which meant I didn't have no type of curfew. Whereas though, like some people, they come home and they have a curfew. You might be on home confinement. You got to be in the house at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have no curfew, none of that. I, I had to stay in the house. I couldn't leave out, out the uh, yard of my house. Anytime that I did uh, want to leave out, I would have to uh, put in a itinerary to um, the uh, case manager that was over me. I had to put in a itinerary and it took them maybe sometime three days to approve. So you figure I can go somewhere maybe once a week, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you couldn't go multiple places. So if 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 I wanted to go somewhere. I couldn't like put in the itinerary say, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go buy me some clothes. Then I'm going to stop and go 
to this place and I'm going to stop and go that. No, you had to go to one place and I was <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So it was really, you couldn't really get nothing done. You know, I it was basically the 50 days that I was on home confinement. I just stayed in the house yeah. because it was so much of a hassle just getting the pass to come out. It wasn't even really worth the hassle. And and that's and that's the problem that's gonna be going with this box. And I know I'm I'm under I'm under C Sosa's jurisdiction. I got a five year probation, which I got like three years left on that, and I got a twenty thirty six expiration date on my parole. Now, when I got out and I served forty eight years, almost fifty years, when I got out, one, I didn't know how to ride the bus. Two, I was really like real conscientious about everything going on around me. I didn't get no no training from the institution. I did, wasn't given no packet of information on where to go. I had got the information from about the mayor's office on returning citizen. So I went down there and I got some information. I got uh, some was helpful, some wasn't. But in terms of employment, I was going to all the places and every place I was told that because of my age, I, you know, chances of me getting employment was slim enough. But they didn't say age. It was implied. And, you know, like, oh, yeah, well, you need to see AARP. Uh, they got something. And so at that point, I was really developing the uh, paperwork to file a discrimination claim for age discrimination. But I noticed that the entire time I was out and when I was going around, I was in them spaces with uh, returning citizens. And didn't know a whole lot of people had no jobs. And when when this when you had this kind of situation, then you find the person that's subjected to that. And I the day I talked to somebody today, and he told me that uh one of his clients was uh placed on the box. And his client thought that the reason why he was placed on the box was because his case manager had told his PO something. But the his the the director of this program said, nah, when, after they talked to me, because we was going back and forth about it, he was telling me like, oh man, well, you know, dudes be doing crazy and ooh, and he playing devil advocate. But then he told me, they said, man, you know what? I told, when I, this dude told me they put him on the box and he was blaming his case manager and I said, nah, that ain't why they put you on the box. They put you on the box because you ain't got no job. But more importantly, the reason why he ain't got no job, he got a physical disability. So now you got a physical disability, you can't work but yet you're going to be subjected to the treatment of not getting a job, right? Look, let's examine, let's examine, uh, you know, some of the alternatives or why, or let's look at why C. Sosa is not looking at some alternatives. Why do you think it's that? Um, they are, they are, they're a probation agency. <laughs> it's not in their best interest to help you get a job. That's just like the slave master telling right. the slave how to escape off the plantation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, hey, man, you know that the gate over there got a hole in it. <laughs> you know, so that's not in their best interest. You know, that's how they're going to keep a job. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, to keep the, uh, the recidivism rate uh, flourishing, yes. you know what I'm saying? You got to throw out little snares and, and traps. You know, to keep a person coming in, you know, because we did the Zoom with uh, C Salsa before, That's you right. know, and we gave them a lot of suggestions and they said that they're going to lift some of their uh, no yeah. tolerance, um, mm-hmm. you know, their no tolerance policies and stuff like that. 
And you know, is they they's all they always been playing the devil advocate from the get go. So, you know, when it come to when it come to that, you know, you got to really think about it. You made a violent point. If C Salsa is your probation agency, they threw this table in the event. They the ones that that sponsored mm-hmm. it. Why wouldn't you invite or make it mandatory? All the people that's under probation at C Sosa make it mandatory that they attend this event. Yep. Just like you would tell them it's mandatory to come in and take a urine. All right, tell them it's mandatory to come to this event and make sure you invite all the agencies that uh, have j- jobs available. That's right. You know, you should have turned that into a, a, a job seminar. You know what I'm saying? So, so that way you can put your uh, clients in position. To get a job instead of inviting a whole bunch of different agencies that can't employ you. Yeah, right. That, and that's exactly what they did. And and, and it's not a knock on the agents because the agencies we represented Voice for a Second Chance. And so and the DC Kitchen was there, the Nehemiah Project was there, uh uh Negotiation Works was there. Uh all the, and I'm familiar with every last one of these agencies, and all of them are doing good works, but none of them are in a position to employ uh, 32,000 individuals coming back to the District of Columbia. None of them in a position to give uh, 32,000 or more people that's under the jurisdiction of C. Sosa uh, employment. And the fact that this person that was responsible for sponsoring this activity did not take that into account and, and mentioned that this is a, her program is to sponsor activities such as these, so your position is to stay relevant in your job capacity, I'm a sponsor of activities and invite groups. And But in terms of sponsoring activity and, and invite groups, and go back to your point, Mike, and say, and make it mandatory for the, the clients that's under C-Social to attend or sponsor activity and say, uh, have a situation where you're giving them information about a job or you're using your power to get people job you're not doing that because if to do that stand the reason that if i'm working and i'm doing everything i supposed to do and i'm off probation then why do you need three thousand parole and probation why you need 350 parole and probation officers when your caseload is not that large so somebody gotta go so how do i save my job i save my job by inventing something to say i'm guaranteed to keep my job because i know for a fact that People are not going to get jobs. But let's look at uh, some of the alternatives, some of the, some of the programs or things that do exist and, uh, or advocate in that area about what some of the alternatives could be other than the box. Um, I believe, like, some of the alternatives are, you know, just like um, I'm, I'm a navigator here at Voices for a Second Chance. And... They should have the same thing there. Why do you have a probation agency that don't have case managers and counselors that are working on getting you a job? That's they right. supposed to be connected with every agency or any business that's employing or can get, you know, a referral to get you employed mm-hmm. or any form of, 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 
no vocational training because a lot of brothers just can't come home and get a job. They can, you know, they might have to go back to school, right? get their GEDs or get some type of training. And that's the thing that they should be having. They should be having all the connections with all the agencies in Washington, D.C. that can give them that leg up. Yeah. You know, if you really want them to succeed, you should have all all hands on deck. Yeah. Just like you have all hands on yes, deck right. to lock everybody up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have all hands on deck to get these brothers and sisters employment. And I and and I I thought about that when she, when she first said it. First thing I thought about I said, well, why haven't y'all reached out to uh like Strive DC? Why haven't y'all reached out to uh uh, UPO. Why haven't y'all reached out to uh, the Catholic Charities? Why haven't y'all reached out to these other organizations that's that's providing jobs? Why haven't you reached out to these organizations and and employed them to say, listen, can you take up our clients? But more importantly, why haven't you looked at the landscape of what services are being offered and mandate that they participate in these services? Because if you, the goal is to if the goal is to make sure they stay out, then this will be one way. But if your goal is your ulterior motive is to know where they at, okay, I want to know where they at. This is our way of knowing where they at. This is accountability. This is us being accountable for towards who we supposed to be overseeing. Then if that's the case, then why don't you say, uh, well, UPO is offering these these classes on training, uh, uh, get your CDL license. Uh, so we're going to contact. UPO and say, uh, can you take uh, clients from C Sosa uh, for this trainer and when? And if so, then when they do that, that will automatically say, okay, I know where they at because I got a way of tracking and and understanding where they at, as opposed to saying, well, I'm gonna put you on the box and expect you to do what? Because you just stated that if I'm on the box, I gotta tell you everywhere I'm going. Or I, I'm real restricted. Now, you done created more bureaucracy. You don't want to do what you're doing already. So you done created more bureaucracy. Now you got to say, okay, I'm calling you saying, look, well, I got a job interview. Uh, and I'm trying to, and I'm going to my itinerary of where I want to go. And you tell me that, no, I can't go there. But yet you telling me that, and the reason why you saying, no, I can't go there, because it's easy for you to say, I know where you at. I know you in that house. And then when I come up and start, Going back to my criminal mentality and say, okay, I'm just gonna give me a, a somebody give me a pay stub. Say I got a job, and now I'm going back. I would start clocking. Now, you done created in me the need to start making money illicitly, and 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 this is this contrary to your purpose. Uh, in terms of uh, what you think the men, how you think the men, and and the women that's subjected to this. What do you think? How you think they feel, and what do you think their rea- their reaction should be? Um, well, they definitely have to uh, start advocating more uh, to not just to see salsa, but uh, other agencies because you we we know, man. Like uh, you know, it's all, it's all about money. That's right. And if 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 um, see salsa can't partner with somebody. That they can send a lot of their clients to, and it's gonna be they're gonna be getting paid for it. That's why they're not doing a lot. It's because it's no it's no money there. Yeah, 
And, and you know, that's the problem, man. You know, it's it's everything is about money. Mm-hmm. And if 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 you know, like like the saying, show me the money. If nobody can't show you the money, then they not gonna do it. They making money off of, you know, having having these uh individuals under probation and, and, and that's that's what they pat their pockets with. But when it comes to uh referring them to other agencies, they not getting nothing from it. So that's why they don't they have a lack of any effort to do that. And uh, you know, a lot of the um people that's under sea salsa, they need to uh they really need to um sit down and advocate for themselves. They need to they need to advocate for themselves, um, find people that can advocate for them because that's really unjust and it's gonna hinder them. And I was looking at the uh the committee that uh that CISO's under and uh White that just ran for mayor he was he was the chairperson of that committee, and C Sosa budget come up under that. And I was saying that as a client of C Sosa, I'm going to start me personally. I'm going to email them and ask them about that because I got a job, but the fact that I got a job is not by the fact of not no, no reason than other than I know I needed to work. But if I could have got uh, disability, if I could got any of those things and been able to maintain my lifestyle. Now we got those, and they don't, they don't, it's nothing being offered in terms of if a person has a disability, if a person, uh, like, don't have a skill level, if a person doesn't have the the aptitude to maintain a job, if the person uh, need vocation versus employment, it doesn't, it doesn't address the, the overall needs of the people that's coming out, which let me know that CSOs don't really understand their clients. And the people they they, they supervise more so than anything else. And as I said earlier, I'm 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 on, I'm on it, and I see I've been noticing that the trend with with CSOs has been uh, first we had they had you call them, but now that they the COVID is lifted, you're not coming to the agency no more. What you're doing, they telling you to go to a library, and that's how they wind up in that. See some of the people that was down there with us. They was coming down there because their parole officer told them to come down there to see them. This is my check-in. So if I don't have, if you're not calling me down there to check in, I'm not coming down there. And let's let's uh on this on this point right here, uh, let's uh close on your final thoughts on as far as what you think should be done and how you think it should they should go about doing it. Your solution from the yard. Um, well. You know, as was spoken of before, when um, when it come to that agency, C Salsa, you know, when we was uh had that conversation, and you know, one of my solutions was hiring people that are returning citizens. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's see, right. because see, when you have an agency like that, and you have a probation or parole officer that he's just he's being a tyrant and stuff like that. I believe that every probation and, and parole officer should have a liaison, you know, that's, that's has, that has been, um, you know, that's been formerly incarcerated and he can, he can help deal with the individual needs because, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, uh ex-con man, he, he, he can't relate to a person that's always, telling them what to do and being uh bearing on them and stuff like that opposed to a guy that 
you know, that's been incarcerated and he knows what's going on. And he can he can help navigate him in back into the system of, of, of normalcy because, you know, a lot of them that don't have no empathy when it come to that. Because one thing about it, whether you go back to jail or whether you come home and get a job, they still going to get paid. So it really don't matter to them whether you have any success. It don't matter. Right. You know, and you got to really have somebody in that position to 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 have empathy, you know, and, and you know, it put more regulation on what what the probation officer can do and what he can't do. And and also, uh, like we said, man, start some form of case management. Mm-hmm. Start some form of case management where these case managers can get to know the individual to help them navigate to getting jobs, uh, further their education through vocational training, uh, ETC. Right. Because that way, you know, you just won't have a probation officer clocking you all the time. You have somebody actually trying to help you navigate through the system. There you have it, the alternative. And when we look at when we look at the uh, solutions from the yard and, and some of the alternatives, we have, like, uh, Look at some of the programs that's around. Uh, you want structure? Give them structure. We know the UPO uh, have uh, uh, training. We know that uh, Morka has a list of places that offer training. Network with these places and, and uh, encourage these places to train these individuals so they will have, like, marketable skills and, and be able to uh, acclimate themselves back inside and earn an income. Uh we at, at Voices for a Second Chance, we had a, we have an individual that's uh, been hiring people, and he just we got this contact just by virtue of uh, networking within the within the reentry community, and we have individuals in it, and we're not that's not our wheelhouse, but we have individuals coming in, we giving them putting them in a position to get some kind of income, as opposed to uh, put a person in the most restrictive and repressive. Uh, control mechanism, I think C Sosa really need to look back, like you say, Mike, they need to one, reevaluate their purpose. Is your purpose to uh continue to oppress and dehumanize individuals or is your purpose to ensure public safety? And the way you ensure public safety is to make sure that your clients are being obedient and outstanding citizens by giving them a chance. If you taking if you taking your client and you telling your client that um, like when I got out, I was I was on you and I you on Tuesday and Thursday. Every day I was on max security uh, status. I Tuesday and Thursday, then I sat down and uh, on MLK and waited for my uh, parole officer to tell me uh, when the next time to come back. In terms of like, uh, give me some direction, uh, give me some resources, give me some contacts. I didn't get none of those things. In terms of I. Uh, well, Mr. Hopkins, uh, here go a list of agencies I think that you should look at uh, and re- let me know what they said. Uh, and if you, and because uh, I will follow up. But if you don't have no case manager and your parole officer and your probation officer is 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 wearing the hat of a probation officer, a case manager, or the FBI, and the CO on the tier, then you subject to get more of the latter three. Do you suddenly get a case manager? And with the lack of a case management system in that in that is 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 uh is by birth. One other point I want to make before I turn it back over to you, Mike, is that I was 
given the job with uh, the Nehemiah Project. And Nehemiah Project was is do uh, transitional housing for individuals. And I went through this program. And uh, and when I got I got went through the program, got wind up getting up my own place. And as a result of me being a, uh, a real productive and positive individual, they hired me. They hired me to be a peer navigator. And and when they hired me to be a peer navigator, uh, C. Sosa, he got a contract with C. Sosa. And C. Sosa said that everybody that's going to work for the Nehemiah Project had to get a background check, which I ain't had no problem with that because I had to get background checks in every job I had since I've been out. So I know it's not no really no problem in and of itself. They told me I could not work for them for near my project because I was a client of C Sosa. Now, because I'm a client of C Sosa, I can't get I can't work. But yet, as a client of C Sosa, you tell me that I gotta get a job. Now, had my situation been different and this policy came out, right now I would have the box on because you told me C Sosa get a job. And then when I said, Well, I got a job, which is working with y'all, and y'all told me I can't have it, you gonna say, like, well, hey, Father, we concerned. You don't have a job, and yeah, we didn't hire you, but you dig what I'm saying? And that's yeah. that's that's uh that's the most draconian thing I've ever seen in my life, right? Uh, there you have it. Uh, solutions from the yard, Mike. You got the last word. Uh, brothers and sisters out there, make sure, man, you uh uh, uh cross all your T's and dot all your I's, man, because it's rough out there, and you know you got to make sure you on point because only you. And put yourself in position for success. That's right. There you have it. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Solutions from the Yard. This podcast is presented by Voices for a Second Chance, a comprehensive reentry program that provides culturally appropriate, trauma-informed, gender-specific, and peer-based services. For more information, go to info at vscdc.org or visit our website at www.vscdc.org.